0: Welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. You should know that this episode was also recorded in video and can be watched on our website at theundrapedartist.com and also on YouTube at the Undraped Artist Podcast. Also, check out our show notes to learn more about today's guest. I hope you enjoy the show. Daniela Stone, welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. Hi, It's
1: it, so nice to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to finally meet you. I've been waiting an entire year. No. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. okay. I was very busy. No, I get it, I get it. You have to spread these things out. Yeah, so for the audience, you had done another podcast, so you <laughs> wanted to kind of spread it out. No, I totally appreciate it, but I've been... I've been really excited to, to meet you and uh, to get to know you a little bit. So you are from Italy. Can you tell us what part of Italy you're from?
1: I'm from the South of Tuscany. Okay. Nearby the coast.
0: And that's where you're born and raised? Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm
1: born in Pisa where the tower, the pending tower is. Oh. But uh, then i used to, uh, on in the countryside, like in this, on the seaside
0: okay awesome so tell me a little bit about your childhood what was it like growing up there how did you end up getting interested in art
1: uh my father was painting um when he was little and uh, i think um in a way i i took this inspiration from him and like I really wanted to, in a way, continue a dream that uh, he hasn't had the chance to, you know, dig and to continue. And so he stopped. And um, uh, when I was little, he he bought a pizzeria. And I've, uh, like my childhood is basically me being completely independent uh, at age of four, or five, I was uh, in my town, going around, going to the see the movies by myself.
0: Are you like, serious? <laughs> I was
1: very, very, I was very, very independent.
0: Wow! Like and
1: and my parents were were um, in the um, in this pizzeria, and uh, and there was no cars in along this street. And so like, uh, I was just walking in front of the, of the place and, uh, and, uh, yeah, like I was, uh, that, that was, uh, I I think my mother and my father, they, uh, um, they gave me this opportunity to really be super independent, but, uh, at the same time, they were worried, very worried and everybody in the, in the town knew who I was. And so. Oh, Daniela, go back because your mother is looking for you, you know? So it was was a very town, uh, uh, you know, comfortable and, you know, nice place to grow up.
0: Yeah, it sounds almost like a storybook town. It sounds amazing. (laughs) So so just to make sure I understand, you're saying pizzeria. Your father had a pizzeria. Okay, but he was also a painter.
1: He used to paint when he was little, when he was, you know, a teenager, young. But then he had to um, stop because he had to pay for, you know, the debts of his father. His father died, and and so he had to, yeah, it's a long story.
0: Right. Very,
1: yeah.
0: So did he ever pick it up again? no <laughs> no he didn't how does he feel about you no. painting but
1: but uh he likes to to come in my studio and give me critiques <laughs> <laughs> nice now is it's just uh completely fond about what i do so it's,
0: that's it's amazing good. that's awesome so how old were you when you decided you wanted to become an artist professionally
1: uh well, it, it wasn't really a decision. Like I, I, I was good at doing that. Uh, it was the only thing I was good at, basically. The um, uh, at school I was very bad. I wasn't really. Uh, I wasn't. Li- I weren't. Li- I wasn't living in, into a, a normal world. I was living in my fantasy world all the time, you know. And uh, and my teachers used to tell me. Ah, um, oh, Daniela, you are super intelligent, but why don't you stay with us instead of constantly going somewhere else with your head? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, like I was, I was very good at drawing. I was, it was the only thing that I really liked to do, and um, and uh, in fact, my parents were completely, um, you know, uh, desperate because. They, you know, the teacher used to, you know, keep pushing me, but like, it wasn't really uh, easy for them. And so uh, they were thinking to make me quit and make me go to work. And I say, no, please send me to the art school. And so then finally they decided, I'm sorry for my English. I I know that I spent all year uh, inside the studio without speaking english so much and so my english is very bad right
0: now no <laughs> like I, I understand every word you're saying and i understood pizzeria too i was just i just wanted to make <laughs> sure i want to make sure i understood it correctly so that I, I i got your narrative right okay so where did you end up going to school then
1: then uh my uh, this the first uh art school it was um about 30 kilometers away and uh and uh i had to wake up every morning at 6 uh, in grosseto uh, to to go to the uh, to the art school and and the art school it was a complete revelation because in in my little town there is not so much art i mean it is uh, an etruscan uh, you know village it has some of course historical buildings like all oh, italy you know has it but um there was there wasn't a museum or works of art that i uh could get inspired from i it was i was very uh, you know uh new to to these things and and when I first stepped into the art uh, school the the school it was uh full of paintings and sculpt and i was inspired and i remember i said this this is my place it is totally my place and I started to get very ambitious, I remember, at that time, because I was competing with other students. And at the beginning, I wasn't really good at drawing. Really? <laughs> Actually, my, my score it wasn't that good. And uh, but, um, but then, you know, I was very stubborn, very determined, and I really improved.
0: Hmm. When you've referred to going to art school, I guess my question is, are you referring to this high school level, or are you referring to uh, post-high school? High school level. Okay. So what did you do after high school?
1: After high school, I moved to Florence. I moved to Florence because I really wanted to um find a school that it could have make me you know improve and it could also at the same time give me a job my parents are very practical people and and they didn't want me just to you know just to paint and do whatever i was doing so Mm i i thought that that time at uh illustration, it could have been a good compromise between, you know, drawing and doing what I wanted to, you know, a more practical job because in Italy, uh, you know, being an artist is kind of, uh, uh, an impossible thing to pursue. It's not something, um, uh, yeah. we don't, we don't have nowadays so much collectionism. We don't have uh, so many galleries anymore. I mean, we do have a lot of museums, lots of art from the past, but, uh, there is not that much of, you know, interest, uh, let's say in the contemporary, um, uh, yeah. In, in the, in the, and the people of, of nowadays in these things. And so, um, it, it sees, you know. The people tends to think, okay, you are an artist, but like as a hobby, you know, but not like as a job. And so, so I decided to do, um, the illustration, uh, like, uh, it was called the, um, um, international, uh, school of comics. And, uh, I did, I did there like, uh, two years of illustration. And, uh, I met my husband there, he <laughs> was my teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I worked for, for him, uh, you know, for some historical illustration, um, but then, uh, I quit it because, uh, if the work under commission, it wasn't really for my personality. It wasn't good for me. So I decided to, to look for something else. And, uh, I, and then is when I discovered the ateliers, uh, of, uh, Daniel Graves, uh, of the Florence Academy. I was living at the time in San Frediano, where Charles Cecil has the, his atelier, but I remember walking in, into the studio of Charles Cecil and it was, you know, amazing, beautiful, but there was nobody, there was no Italians there. It was just, uh. You know, English people—they couldn't even give me any any help, and, and at that time I wasn't speaking any English. So, um. so I, at, the, at that time I say, okay, let's try also the Daniel Graves, and uh, and then I think I I made the right choice because at the end um, Daniel Graves—he was teaching more, you know, composition, more like to follow your own your own um, voice and instead Ciarcessi is more oriented to portrait and commission things that I am not really uh, good at so I made the right choice
0: good so how long were you there at Florence Academy
1: as a student uh, I was there for about four years Mm -hmm. and uh, as 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 a
0: teacher uh, like 20 years 20 years so are you still teaching there no what no man you seem pretty young to have gone there for 4 years and then taught for 20 and you're not teaching there anymore
1: Be- because because the um i uh, i started the, in 2001 2001 and after in the second year, I remember they made me uh, teach. I was assisting, um, and, and so I think it was to, yeah, two thousand two or something, two thousand three. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe I w- I was teaching there for you know nineteen years instead of twenty. Okay,
0: more wow. <laughs> and you started teaching after <laughs> but, uh, your first year as a student
1: yeah because uh at that time it was more uh it wasn't that as uh, structured as it is now it was more like an atelier and uh it was just about to grow every year they were adding a new building a new you know like they were expanding very fast and they they had many requests of you know they had a lot of a huge list of uh, waiting list for students that wanted to come and and study uh, in Florence and so they really needed um, you know new teachers and I remember even I wasn't speaking that well uh, English I remember that I that I was teaching I was just pointing and saying, up down
0: <laughs> oh, <know>? no kidding <laughs> <laughs> up down dark light yeah that's it's all you need really to teach art right <laughs> That's classic, but
1: but, but I, I was young I was like, um, you know I, I was giving like at that time, uh, you know it, it was like that. it was like you couldn't really explain so much the process. demos weren't allowed it and uh, and uh, the only thing that you had to do is a constant to to be to go there and correct. Uh, the people because the method of site size it's a very uh, mathematical approach and uh, so if you do it correctly you can you know always say to someone where has been the mistake and and so like um yeah it was like that and then afterwards of course things changed uh when the program became more you know, structured and uh, there was more like uh, an intention of explaining what, you know, know, how the people supposed to see the world and how to, you know, select from the, from nature. And so like, uh, then there was, you know, more, more of, you know, talking and explaining, but people, but I really liked the idea that everyone had you know, just someone to direct them, uh, and and as much as time as they it because you know, like people are, you know, people are different. You know, there is people that is faster, people that are getting slower, and that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It's just uh, that they are different, and so mm-hmm. people can get the can get the 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 lesson from you know learning from nature can get the lesson much faster or not. And some people might need an explanation. Other people, instead, if you give them an explanation, uh, you confuse them uh, Mm -hmm. even more. So,
0: follow up question here. So, you quit teaching then in just the past couple of years, then?
1: Uh, Just uh, last year, actually. Uh, After the COVID, I think um, I got pretty. um let's say overwhelmed uh by the you know the work uh in contact with people i was it was very tough um and so i think i became super sensitive and uh, and i couldn't i couldn't deal any longer with the um with the bureaucracy you know and also have problems Probably with the people that is above me, and mm. and so I I tend always to be quite polemical. I have to say, I, I admit that it uh, it is a little bit like that. But but uh, at the end, it was probably because I was very very tired of uh, of of everything. I always love teaching so much. I mean. I still think that I still miss it very, very deeply because with uh, the Florence Academy, you have the chance to follow the students, you know, since the beginning and you start to kind of um, get started relationship with them. That is not uh, that common. It's a place of vulnerability that in a way, allowed the teachers to be very important for the students and so for me it was a real mission but uh as i say, um like i wasn't good with uh you know the whole structure probably if the school was mine it would have been you know different but like since that i, I wasn't uh, you know even if i was the director of the intermediate program but um I couldn't really deal with, uh, with the rest of, uh, of the things. So, yeah. yeah. And also I think it was, it was also time for me. I was, you know, uh, you know, you're, I'm at that age where you actually start to look back and say, okay, so this is what I've done since now, uh, next, uh, what you actually want to do, do you want to remain like this? get, you know, stuck in this beautiful life, but not really that challenging for you. Because, you know, as an artist, if you teach, I think that you relax, you know, you don't have that uh, fire constantly that pushes you to, to go over, to paint more, to do more, to express more. and And you always have, you know, you do it as a as a you know as a side job mm-hmm. in that way at least for me it was like that my main job it was the teaching and uh, the the art it was it was going well it always went really well for me i've always been lucky and uh, to to meet the the right galleries at the right moment and to show since the beginning but it, it wasn't that present in my life, and so I I think that I decided to you know to jump to mm-hmm. to jump. It's a obscure world of uh, living by your selling your art, and it's, it was so scary, so scary. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, I, for one year after I left the school, I was having constantly panic attack or anxiety. Yeah, I don't, I can't survive. I can't survive. But then, but then I, uh, it, it went well. Universe, the universe uh, actually uh, helped me because every time that some that I was a little bit stuck, some galleries was calling and say, ah, oh, let's do a show here, let's do a show there. So. So it's always been pretty pretty good, I have to say. With me,
0: yeah, isn't that crazy how that works? I feel like every time it gets scary, it'll it, it'll it'll be scary right up till the line, right up till the moment where you feel like you can't handle anymore, and then something will happen. You'll be like, "Oh, everything's fine," and then it, and then it seems like the cycle. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah, it's wild how that yeah. works.
2: I've been doing Jeff's online mentorship program for about a year now and it is awesome everything is online super streamlined if you can be there i mean you have the ability to talk to him once a week and he can review your work and help you if you can't be there it's pre-recorded you can go back and even re-watch things if you miss something during class or couldn't be there so the online portion of it is almost better than real life because you can always go back to it which is awesome The demos are recorded. It's just like all available whenever you need it. And I'm a stay-at-home mom of four and my time is limited and it's also very interrupted. And so to be able to go back has been clutch for me. And you get to work with Jeff Hine, who's awesome. He's tough. The assignments are simple, but difficult and they're difficult to make us all better. And he's able to give us these assignments, coach us through it, help us stay excited to progress. And so it's just been a great experience. I am so grateful that he has been willing to take time away from his own art to offer all of us to have it. So if you're thinking about doing it, it's amazing.
0: If you're interested in learning more about how you could study with me, either online or in person, check out HeinItalia.com. That's H-E-I-N-A-T-E-L-I-E-R.com. So I wanna know more about this fire that you talk about. You said that when teaching, you didn't have the same fire in painting. What was it about teaching yeah. that stole that flame from your painting? My,
1: It is that the, um, let's say that um as a human being i think everyone needs to feel that it is use useful you know for the society like if you are teaching you can feel uh satisfied because you have a great impact on people and uh and so at one point that as i say to you it was almost like a mission it was like Really really strongly part of my of my life and 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 since until now i I make dreams of me and not you know not doing uh, the round of all my teachers on time or you know I always has this uh these uh, you know anxious dreams of of my of my students because it was uh, a serious stuff for me, but then when I decided to um, you know to let it go. I think uh, something else happened. I, I started to feel, oh, but like, okay, what is what about my heart? What is the, uh, how that is actually impacting uh, the rest of, you know, the, the people around me, the people that sees it? Because at the beginning I was thinking, oh, nobody really cares, or maybe what I do is not, you know, that useful. And uh, like maybe it's a very selfish job that I'm doing here alone in the in my studio like the in teaching you were feeling very useful you know like you were changing you could see in the eyes of the students that you could give them a lot Um, and so it was very fulfilling and but then when I found myself in my studio completely alone without having those days of teaching I, for, for the first time, I was like feeling a little bit, as I say, selfish and not really useful. And, uh, and I was guessing a lot about if doing what I was doing, it was the right thing, you know?
2: Um,
1: (laughs) but, um, but then I, I started to say, okay, if I really have to do this thing, I have to, you know do what it really is honestly and genuinely, like part of me and it's not something that I have to compromise for some buyers or galleries that wants that kind of stuff I just have to do m- the most honest thing that I could do so that maybe in this way um, all this thing that I'm doing is going to have a, a sense a meaning Mm-hmm. And and so I um I kind of started this you know process of of um you know really coming out with um imaginary that were very different from what I was doing before because I you know site size might have some limits you know you can't really uh, do people in movement? You can't do many things, and and it's uh, it's it is difficult. There is a lot of limitation, and and so I say, like I have to I have to start to forget about all the uh, the limits that I got with this beautiful academic education that I got, because right now. I just need to follow whatever i pass through my mind and uh, and i have to be honest with it so and and i'm still in the process of doing it i'm of of kind of um uh, trying a little bit to liberating from all the possible laws that uh nature imposed uh imposed to to mm-hmm. to people not like uh, the gravity, um, you know, the, the the space, the sense of the sense of depth, or like I, I'm I'm trying just to do whatever it is here more than the things that I see in front of me. Hmm. So I got a couple and, of questions. And I, and I, yeah, and and think I think that uh, sorry, and and just to say that this thing. Uh, once it came out, the social media, and people actually started to see it, that then I got a response, like that it was for people was inspiring to see this change. And I thought, oh, okay, so that is not that bad. At the end, I can inspire people. <laughs> so it's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think the work you're doing now is extraordinary, which is why I asked you to be on the podcast. But I'm kind of curious. I wonder if you had thought of this idea of selfishness this way before, because I thought the same thing. I feel like painting is an absolutely selfish career. I do it, I love it, and I'm okay with it being selfish. You had said that teaching is more fulfilling because you are helping people. But if you thought of it this way, you're either being the selfish artist and doing painting the way you love and the way you want to, or you're teaching other people to become a selfish artist. So in reality, <laughs> so, how, so how is teaching any more meaningful than painting yourself? If all you're doing is teaching other people to do the thing that you find to be selfish. <laughs> you're right.
1: I never <laughs> thought it that way. <laughs> you haven't. I
0: have because I've gone through the same... Feelings, like, man, painting is so selfish. Teaching feels meaningful, but, you know, and, and I've thought about that. I don't know when it first occurred to me, but um, I personally, my what I've come to decide is that while painting is a selfish career, it's also incredibly, what's the word, inspirational to people, so meaningful in that way, because I collect art as well. And, man, the peace and joy that it gives me when I walk through my home and see these paintings day after day there are times where I'll stop in the middle of a staircase and, and look to my right and look at a painting for a few minutes that I've had for years. And uh, I know collectors feel the same way. So I just feel like, you know what? Yeah, it's selfish, but I'm still helping people in a way. I feel like you definitely are because no, I, I absolutely love your work and it's inspiring me at least. So I can speak for one person.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Now, like the I agree totally with you. I mean, at the end when uh, um um I, re- I still remember when uh, the first time I came to Florence with the school at, I think I was 14 and um and I got into you know I- into the Uffizi. Um I remember that I was completely shocked and and uh, completely I was falling in love with so much beauty that it was surrounding me and and I thought wow this is this is just incredible I just want to do this I want to <laughs> I want to create stuff that can impress uh as I am impressed uh today and uh and uh, I remember at that time I said now I think I'm going I'm going to soon move to florence and <laughs> and so like i was very determined to and i was forcing my parents the only day of vacation that they had to come to florence and visit the museums
0: Poor guys yeah <laughs> so i have another question about technique when you were studying at florence you had mentioned that you studied site size and that it was it was limiting to you or you found it limiting once you became a full-time painter and wanted to paint movement and paint what's in your imagination and your heart. How did you make that transition from such an academic process to the process that you're doing now, which allows for this movement that you have in your work?
1: Well, I think that I am, I actually, I got quite tired of the, um, f- the, the first thing I got that I got tired of, it, it wasn't so much the, the method of site size because the method of site size anyway, can welcome, can integrate, uh, also other kinds of methods. So it is not, it's not that, that bad. Um, I, I was more sick of the, of, of the light. Because in the studios, they teach you, of course, to have uh, a specific north light coming to a certain, you know, angulation. And um, and so uh, I think I remember that after years of painting portraits, you know, I was just tired of, you know, using the same light. And um, so... I, I did a couple of experiments at the time with the mirror um, that I was painting the reflection of the mirror so that uh, at that point I wasn't uh, working, you know, most of the time in the light area, but I was actually working, modeling more the forms inside the shadows. Um, and one of, of those paintings that I did uh, that is actually titled "Light and Form." It was actually this girl uh, that I painted. I painted the reflection of the mirror. Hmm. But then, um, do I you did have also... that on your?
0: Do you have that on your Instagram account by any chance?
1: I think yes. It's one of the first posts that I did. Okay, it's let like, me uh, I'm gonna
0: pull that up real quick. Let's, because I think we should look at that. So it's way down low on your account?
1: Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one on the left. Right here? Yeah, the one, yes, that
0: one. Oh, yeah. That is some challenging one. lighting to paint.
1: Yeah, yeah. You and nailed uh, it. I, I I remember at that time, I was like, Okay, I, I, I like this uh this thing and and then I start to get more curious and um, I actually started to um, afterwards to also try to paint figure outdoor. I was uh, I, I remember so this is the real first step uh, you know away from the uh, tradition of the uh, of, of of what has been taught me, mm-hmm. um, but then. Actually started to um, to I really wanted to paint more figures uh, like outdoor, and so actually I started I don't know like ec- stop ec- that one
0: mm-hmm. in fact that is and, gorgeous and
1: uh, I, I I started to kind of understand how it was working thanks to my my friend Ben Fensky that he paints a lot of uh, figures outdoors. He, ha- he comes from a training. There is more like also Russian and like, you know, the Russian Academy more like uh, in comparative, but at the same time, um, studying more the solids and, and, and since I've done, you know, many uh, for many years geometry but also architecture Uh, I was actually familiar with that way of thinking and so all those faces of the solids uh, kind of bouncing having the light bouncing back and forth it was actually something that I started to kind of understand and study and it took me a you know a good year I remember that year I was just painting people with flat light or with double sources um and uh and I thought it was very very interesting um but uh then I got a little bit sad because all the pictures that were coming out they were they were more you know old-fashioned it looks like you know, one of those 19th century people laying on the grass. And so I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, that's is not my thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, but uh, you know, I, like I was, I've always loved, um, Lepage. And so I thought, you know, I was very oriented into that, into that idea and I and i really wanted to learn so all these paintings that you're showing are the ones that i did during that time to kind of understand a different kind of lighting um and uh yeah yeah basically yeah
0: yeah they're Mm -hmm. they're amazing just gorgeous so you started to feel like you needed to become more contemporary you need to fit into your time better is that what you're thinking at this point
1: yeah, like at this point, I was basically just studying. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't really like thinking, but like the the definitely the things that I was doing, you know. I don't know if you maybe they were they were making me happy, uh, cer under like uh, certain technical aspects. In mm-hmm. the same, in, in the sense that, okay, I actually can do this thing. Is not I, I'm not reached the top level. And I'm not really that great at it, but I can kind of do something decent. But is that really what I like to do? No. <laughs> oh, really? So, like, yeah, like, you know, sometimes you have to jump and, and, like, and like go for something, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it and you say, do I really like it? Uh, maybe not. And then you change again. And, and so I like, I I have those moments in my studio when I, I am surrounded by the paintings that I do. And when I get, you know, that feeling that something is actually that I don't like, I don't want to, I'm already over it, not too quickly. That means that uh, the taste of those paintings were probably too sweet, you know, you get tired of that uh, flavor after a while. So, I, I abandoned that, uh, idea of, uh, painting, um, figure outside. I did it for, you know, to, to try a little bit, you know, for some, some exhibitions, some, uh, summer exhibitions, but, um, I actually stopped to do that. And, uh, and, uh, now, yeah, now I'm, ch- I'm, I'm, I've, I've been uh, so much into like, uh, trying to put on the canvas, the things that I have dreamed and, and like all these visions that I constantly have. So like, I, I think that I have, I am re-embracing, let's say the child inside of me that wasn't really paying attention to the world outside but i i, I think that there is a, a a movement right now that is called the es- escapist the, es- the escape you know i don't mm-hmm. know if, if escapist. you heard
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: escapist. I, I am an escapist
0: <laughs> really
1: See yeah, because like i think the covet situation it was re- really it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Uh, I think it was a great stop, and it forced me to think of what I really wanted to do, and wanted to be, and wanted to, you know. And, and it was a real moment. I'm, I'm so, I'm so sorry. It's, I know that it was a very bad thing for most of the people and the people who died, but. Like, honestly, society goes so fast that it doesn't really allow you to to have time for yourself to think, to just like to look at, at what you do. And, um, and, uh, and so I, I was very, it was a very crucial moment. And I thought, okay, so maybe I just need to, you know, look deeper into what is inside of me and uh, and at the beginning it was very very hard technically as you say because coming from like an education that is very very oriented to um, um select from nature but also being truthful to nature to something you know that is still figurative but that you can't really have uh something in front of you in that position or floating in the air uh it was very kind of difficult and so at the beginning I started um yeah with this one during actually the uh, the COVID time and and uh, I started from imagination
0: no kidding that's impressive
1: yeah, like totally from imagination. All this but but you can you can see it. Come on. Like these these figures are not that I can that see, correct, it,
0: but they're still really good <laughs> though. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, you know, are just like uh invented. Yeah, yeah. And uh and uh I I say and I and I remember I had the best moment. I was like I, I was really having fun because you know on that canvas i was just exploring i was like i was like ah this is probably going to be a mess but who cares i'm going to do it anyway <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. those crazy moments and uh so yeah like and i started in that way so and right now the 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 things that i follow is basically this one i I throw like on, on the papers, uh, quickly with a sketchbook, with a charcoal, I put down some forms, some ideas, and then like I call the models to accomplish those ideas. So at the end, the paintings that I do now are puzzles of uh, things that I have in my head and things that I see and parts of the body of one model, parts of the body of another model. I put them all together to the point that I have the effect that
0: I want. So you start with imagination, you lay in a sketch, and then you bring in models and kind of plug the different parts in on top of your initial sketch, imaginative sketch. Okay. Does does it get... Does it get confusing having to having all of these lines you've already established underneath sort of con, sort of you know obscuring your Well from I think it will
1: be I think it will be confusing for the guy who bought the painting because at one point this painting when the layers will become transparent I think <laughs> it will become like it will become like a, a futurist painting,
0: yeah, a couple hundred years they're gonna wonder what in the heck was going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's amazing. do you have process photos of this on how you well here's the f- more finished version but that... yeah
1: there there are there are like there is a video, I think I don't know if you if you can get there are some videos that you can see in the beginning
0: this is a painting you worked on for some time it looks like okay here's another here's you sketching from imagination i assume yeah yeah man that's a big painting was that at least five feet tall
1: yeah like i uh, yeah like it's um uh, in in centimeters I think it's uh one meter in 80 per two meter and something. I don't mm-hmm, remember.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then where's the finished one? Well, this is up. Oh, no, I saw it. It's up here. At least I'm assuming this is the finished one.
1: Yes. Yes, it is.
0: So you said you dream these things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes like uh, an, I um, I actually have the I used to to write all the dreams that I remember um and especially the most suggest you know the ones that have a, you know an, Im- an imaginary that it is uh, strong um and I don't even wonder what they mean i mean sometimes i do but i don't i try to analyze them but who knows and um and uh yeah i i think that at least is the best way because i another thing that i got really disappointed about the the method of getting a painting done especially how I was kind of taught at school. It was like, ah, oh, you ought to make something that has a specific uh, meaning and sense. And so like you have you start with an idea that is quite literal and and when you come with an idea that is literal like then the painting becomes quite boring, for my opinion.
0: What do you mean by a literal yeah. idea?
1: I mean like, oh, I would like to do, I don't know, for example, uh, a girl in in a uh, in an exotical environment with a turban, or or I want to paint this particular feeling, oh the the pain, or another thing, and and so it ends up to be that whatever it comes in 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 your in your mind uh, it gets standardized by the, you know, the common idea that our society or the environment that we have been culturally living in, uh, you know, gives us back. So if I, if I say something in my, co- in my Italian culture, if I say like a word, for example, in my Italian, in my Italian culture, it might mean something. And I actually start to have images, you know, you have, uh, probably if i say tree you know i have cypress trees or i have oaks so, or but maybe the your tree that you come from a different environment it will be a different kind of tree right. so the 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 tree that the word it becomes an image and the image um it is a, a, stere- a stereotype like a stereotype, stereotype? a stereotype yeah. A stereotype of the uh, of the culture that I live in this moment and so it becomes quite um, it's nothing new there is nothing it's it's pretty predictable and so Hmm. boring for my yeah
0: this episode is brought to you in part by rosemary brushes if you're one of my listeners who's a professional artist you're already using rosemary brushes but for the rest of you come on take your work a little more seriously Stop buying the other brands. It's just not worth it. Every now and then you may get lucky and buy a good brush from another brand. But use the brand that professionals like myself are using. Go to rosemaryandco.com, link in the description or the show notes and get yourself some quality brushes before your next painting. So how do you avoid that? How do you shed your culture and everything that you've been fed your whole life? Is that even possible?
1: I go for stuff that doesn't mean anything.
0: What? Come <laughs> work, on now. Uh, so... No, wait, 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 <laughs> wait,
1: wait, uh, let me explain. Okay. Freud used to say that there is nothing that is actually doesn't mean, you know, like there is nothing that our unconscious does that doesn't have meaning. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I figured this out, uh, when I was setting up the still lifes, Still lives for me were a very important, you know, moment because people, my approach to still lifes as a something quite boring, but it actually, you can explore a lot about composition. And so if you think it more as, a a miniature of, a theatrical kind of uh, scene and you have you know objects that are um you know taking a space in in the stage and actually ruling you know the part and so i i've always i've always um decided when i was doing still lifes to have bunch and bunch of uh different objects that they didn't have anything to deal with each other. And, and I was picking them up, throwing on the stage, removing, without really thinking at the uh, the consequences of the, um, yeah, the consequences. I was just like trying to not think, but just I was going automatically. And every single time that I was doing that, And I was studying a painting that for my opinion, I would have reached in that composition, like an, an harmony or something that in my head, it was creating the right amount of tension, the right amount of, you know, ambiguity. But so in that moment, I was just starting to paint. And then just a week after I was realizing that what I just painted, it was a perfect, a perfect description of the moment that I was living in. In that moment,
0: so do you, can you follow me? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So inst- okay. in, instead of bringing in all of these stereotypes, all of these predictable solutions, you try and just be completely free and uninhibited, and just. Throw objects in and think of it as composition alone, and then the painting becomes about that experience of being uninhibited instead of about the stereotype or the predictable solution. Is that what you exactly? You're saying?
1: Okay. Exactly. And and this for me, it was the most honest way that I could. So I basically, I gave to my unconscious the power of composing. They, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. go, do it. I will not like my my conscious will not be part of it.
0: Wow, that seems difficult. It seems no,
1: it is not. It's not really,
0: huh? Well, I have to give that a try.
1: Yeah, give it a try. You know, there is after uh, I I was doing this thing with the objects and with the still life. I discovered that there was a new branch of, um, uh, psychotherapy mm-hmm. called the, um, uh, star constellation, star constellation, familiar constellation. Maybe this is the right transi- translation in English.
0: I'm not sure. Familiar okay. as so, in, as in we're acquainted with it or familiar as in family
1: family family okay. like it is basically it is um um like a, a psychotherapy that where in each family um everyone has a role you know there is the father the mother the kids the grandfathers uh the ancestors and and Everyone has a rule, but sometimes uh, in our life, we tend to exchange our rules. And mm-hmm. so sometimes the daughter becomes the mother of the mother or, you know, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and so when that happens, uh, the balance of the family actually gets complex. You know, it actually starts to have problems and and you actually have your per- personal problems too because uh you actually taking responsibilities that maybe are not yours or things like that and i i'm really into uh, this uh idea you know, of of uh, of the fact that the unconscious like moves without I mean we don't know what like sometimes why we're doing certain things and 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 it is because we are trying to survive in our life now and so we uh, we move forward certain certain things we are moved by by these forces and um and and so like sometimes for me it's like uh super interesting to kind of understand what there is behind not our choices. It's just that you realize it afterwards, you know?
0: Right. So all right, first of all, I want to look at and see if this is one of these still lifes you're talking about. <laughs> is this is this an example yeah. of it?
1: Yeah, this is an example.
0: Okay. All right. So Sorry. okay, so this is an example of one of them, but I want to ask you about that painting that we were looking at earlier because you said that you're trying to avoid an idea or a concept. I can't remember if that's the word you actually use, but that's how I understood it. But this yeah. seems to reek of concept. I mean, it seems like it seems like you're saying something here, like that there was an initial idea that you were following. Is that not the case?
1: Um Yeah, but but the thing is that maybe I didn't know I mean, like, I, I wasn't really, I had this image of, you know, women around, like, uh, a light you now sort of something new something. But I didn't, I didn't really know what the meaning was,
0: honestly. Oh, no kidding. Uh, so it just evolved I was, I was as just you painted, like, it became its own thing.
1: Yeah, like, I decided. Uh, like later you know for example the baby it became it was there but like like at the beginning it wasn't really it was just light and then it became a baby and at the beginning there was not even the thread that you could see on the on their hands and you cannot even have like the figure that is covered at the beginning you don't have these things it evolved but um um yeah like i really it, it, i i didn't really had much of an intention behind i just had this picture in my head that and uh and i have to say that um it is quite uh it is quite uh coming back this circular Images or like compositions in my in my imagination, and um, and a friend of mine noticed it. I say, Daniela, I, your late works most most of the times are just like circles around something in the middle, hmm. and uh, and I say, because I did also the I don't know if you've seen the eyes, okay. and 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 I was like. Yeah, you're right. I haven't actually noticed that my, you know, all these compositions were quite centered and um, with people around. And um, and I think uh, now going, I mean, maybe after the time that I've been working with these different kinds of images with a similar sort of composition, I think that. Um, I got back into the maybe it's a um, it's a memory of a sort of a ritual or that comes back to my mind and that I feel like um, it is needed. Uh, I I don't know like but it really it wasn't the intention. It wasn't ah I'm going to paint this because we are living in this moment or because uh, I've, I've at the beginning I thought okay I've painted twelve women for example because I thought okay we should maybe there is a a way of uh kind of I wanted to give more power to or just or just like um how do you say um um put like allowed something to, you know, I don't know, it's like a prayer you know, or like a, something that you devote, no? like yeah. you know, like say, I, I want to do this because I want to make it a sort of a devotional. You know? So, uh, but at, at the end, it, maybe I think that um, it was, um, I think it was, uh, uh, the the moment that I painted that painting is quite personal, you know. Like I was actually passing from, like I was actually starting to have conscious of this new me that it was actually probably coming to a new, you know, a, a new way of living, uh, and uh, and the passage from like the past and 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 the new, it, it maybe needed that sort of you know, (laughs) ritual. I I don't know. Like, but um, the most important thing at the end is not so much, like, I mean, the the personal analysis that I can actually give to the paintings can be very, very personal, right? Mm -hmm. It can actually be part of my personal life, no? Mm -hmm. So if I had a moment, a bad moment, and uh, had to decide something heavy in my life or I have to take you know strong decision or maybe moments that i was obsessed by fears or things like that obviously that shows in a painting and nobody out there can really understand deeply that my person that I, what i'm passing through because it's just my feelings my emotion my life right. but the 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 thing that the uh i think the the language of the unconscious i think instead speaks to everybody it has something that is not uh fully direct or maybe it is direct but is to a more kind of um not not a literal way but it 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 touches parts that are more profound of people you know like and and uh, and i think it's the beauty now of art i mean it's nice to get into a gallery and have a like a personal reaction to the paintings even if you don't know the story behind i don't know if you if you understand that like oh, absolutely. i mean knowing uh, knowing a lot about the history of course it makes you to appreciate uh a lot the paintings now because maybe you can see the effort of the artist of the time to break some rules to change stuff to kind of create something that can uh, arrives directly to your feelings or just like you know the, the majesty of certain you know portraits so the feelings are always involved you always uh react to, to the art, but everyone has his own reaction. And so I like, I like to think that a painting is not just mine, but it is also of the people that, uh, look at it, you know, right. that can see the meanings behind the painting and, and, and have their own meaning behind the paintings. And so, um, I think this is, this is very nice now it's like when you read a book you read a book at the age of you know of 15 you read the same book at the age of 30 and the meaning is completely different
0: because mm-hmm. of right? what you bring into it
1: and exactly so i think it doesn't exist a reaction that it is a personal there is just personal reactions to stuff
0: yeah <laughs> In a way, the direction you've gone is much more challenging than where you came from though because you're not you're not speaking a common language anymore. Now you're speaking a language that you don't even understand when you start because you're starting kind of in the dark conceptually. And then then you're asking the viewer to bring a lot to the painting in order to assign meaning to it.
1: You know, sometimes if um... I don't remember if it was Nietzsche or, or Freud that say something that if you want to create a dancing star, you, you have to you have to come from the chaos inside of you. Like hmm. a dancing star, can, it 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 doesn't born like in order, you yeah. know. We it, it comes like I think in um in in the uh, in history, you know, like if you if you look at the at the gods of the of, of greece but also the roman gods like we uh, they understood quite clearly you know the two divinity like you had uh, apollo and then you had uh, Dionysio, like like they one it was the god of order you know and the other was the, the you know the god of 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 the chaos and um And I think creativity uh, and all like these, you know, things, it comes from that magma of cloud, like foggy times, you know, And, and when you have things very, very clear in your head, you can do things very well, but maybe... Yeah, they're, you know, is they're not creative. I think it's, it's nice to have always like attention between the two parts, no?
0: I just have to take a minute to thank each one of my generous patrons for your part in keeping this podcast going. I could not continue to do it without you, so thank you so much. If you're not a patron yet, but you love the show and you listen regularly, please consider becoming a patron. It's really easy to do and it doesn't have to break the bank. Just head over to the undrapedartist.com and click on the link be my patron on podbean and then choose a monthly donation amount that fits your budget it's that simple and to thank you for your generous donations once you've reached 100 dollars in total contributions send me an email to the undraped artist at gmail.com and i will send you one of our spectacular undraped artist aprons
1: i don't know if uh, if it happens to you or, or happened just to me but like, I have moments in, in the year that I'm very, very lucid. I really know what I have to do. Uh, like, my brain is polished like a beautiful mirror and it reflects everything and is everything is clear. I know where I'm going. I'm, I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm really strongly convinced about that. And then there are moments of... of the of the year where i'm basically navigating into this fog my brain mm-hmm. doesn't know what is i don't like i don't know if if what i what i do what i will do tomorrow what i've done yesterday is good it's You're you know questioning all
0: everything
1: <laughs> yeah everything yeah i absolutely everything. relate to
0: this absolutely
1: and i think that those moments are extremely important because you need time to kind of you know wander and not to kind of guess and because they makes you to improve. Of course, if it will extend too much, then I will have problems, psychological problems. But
2: yeah, <laughs> but if,
1: if 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 it remains balanced, so moments of up and moments of down, and you know then, you know, I can really take from those moments, uh, you know, all these uh, uh, creativity, I think.
0: How yeah. do you, do you have techniques for coming out of those moments? Cause I would call those a slump or, or a funk where I just, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know left from right. I hate my work. I, I, I feel like everything I've done in the past sucks. And then, and then, like you said, there are other days where I'm like, I'm on a mission. I know where I'm going. I know what I want. But when you're in that funky period, do you have techniques for getting out of it? Because you're right. You can't stay in it forever. You'll put a gun to your head. I mean, it's not a pretty time.
1: No, absolutely. I think the when that thing happens to me is because uh, I've given away too much of my energy. I need to reintegrate. Uh, I need to feed my soul with new energy. And so I think my brain in those moments, it tells me, Daniela, stop, just, you know, take your time to do maybe nothing, to do, to just read or listen, listening things that are inspiring you just take your time to sharp the axe again Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. because i think that when we are like active and especially also with teaching i can imagine like you give a lot of your of your energy and uh and and then like you just don't reintegrate that energy and so like for me the only way is to study so yeah or to do uh, sessions of you know workshops with uh, um, psychologists different kind of techniques of psychology i'm really i'm really uh, in love with how the brain works and so i'm always curious about it or, um, I don't know, just even a uh, ritual, for example, I'll tell you, I'm just, I've been just passing through this summer, a very foggy moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and I said, you know what, I need to do something to recharge for myself. And I was studying, I was reading, and suddenly I read, I, I noticed that there was. A dancing class for taranta. Do you know what taranta is?
0: Mm-mm. No. No. Mm-mm.
1: Taranta is a spider.
0: Oh, tarantula.
1: And the tarantula.
0: Okay, and gotcha. And
1: in the south of Italy, in the south of Italy, there is a dance that it is um, a musical exorcism for the people who have been beaten by by, uh, by the the tarantula mm-hmm. okay and so um uh like the music and the colors and the choral the voices are helping for example the people who it has it is under um, a sort of a, a trance uh, because maybe they say they've been beaten by the Tarantula, but the truth is maybe they're not happy of their life. And and so during the summer, especially, they have this tradition that people that goes and and sing these songs that that has a really strong rhythms. And uh, and so people actually, you know, through the dance, they can actually, uh, go back to to normal, and uh, and so just and now I'm just reading all the possible books about his uh, uh tradition. And tomorrow night, I'm going to go for my fl- first class,
0: really. And
1: so I'm gonna learn how to go.
0: nice, yes. awesome.
1: <laughs> and so, and so uh, doing something like this for me is. At the same time, extremely inspiring, because it, it brings into my imagination something that is uh, more profound than just like a dance, you know?
0: Right, right. Yeah, I have similar technique. I, I kind of am hard on myself and kid about, a lot about having a short attention span, but that's only half true. Um, I have a lot of hobbies, and part of the reason is a short attention span. But probably a bigger part of the reason is because when I get into those funks, I need to do something else, like you said with the dancing. I need to build something, make something that's not painting and get my brain thinking in a different way for a while. And then eventually by the time I'm done with that project, I'm so anxious to get back to painting and so rejuvenated and so missing the act of painting that i'm recharged and usually Exactly. usually so yeah hobbies help a lot i think
1: and also i think um, dealing with people that don't have anything to do with art is also very good trying to have deep conversation with people that are naturally kind of philosophers you know like you know there is people that likes to to talk about their you know deep feelings or how they see the world, and I think that having conversations with uh, people like that, it you know it definitely helps because it might not give you relief in sense of uh, of you know of what how you feel in that moment, but uh, definitely it makes your life feel much richer and and uh, and, and it, it, you, it brings inspiration back.
0: Hmm. I had to try that one because I have absolutely, well, maybe not absolutely, I have very few friends who are not artists. <laughs> so maybe I need to branch out a little bit more.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes also the people, random people from the street. Yeah. If you just they spoke the, like a more... Sometimes a, a more profound question to them, or people uh, is actually very uh, they they easily get into talk about that things those mm-hmm. things because I think I think nowadays we just speak too superficially in general, and our conversation during the days are always pretty you know uh, about what we do or but it's hard to find someone that can talk about something that goes just beyond the, the regular day. And I, when you find it, I think it's precious.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. 100%. So before we quit here, I know you probably don't have a lot more time, so I'm going to let you go here pretty quick, but I've got, um, I did, I got to talk a little bit about technique. Because you, we had we had seen, okay. we had seen, you know, your work from uh, when you were painting the figure outdoors, and it had that Russian uh, impressionist quality to it. I'm going to pull one, find one of those again. They are just everything you do is spectacular, but it but these are so surprising are because ca- they're so. Did I go too far? These are so different. Oh, here we go. These are so different than what you're doing now. It's just, it's like two different painters. And, um, I can relate to that on some level because I, people literally have thought I was two different painters at times. So that's certainly not a criticism. It's actually a compliment because it shows your, your range of skills and uh, technique. But my question is, how would you describe your process today? You know, anything you can um, comment I'm- on.
1: Okay, no, I'm, I'm. I am still a, a direct painter because uh, I can do some layers, some some uh, you know, um, yeah, some transparent layers on top. But actually, the ones that you're just showing are just direct painting. Yeah. Um. And uh, and and these paintings uh, are censored on uh, on Instagram. Uh, so I can't really are you I serious really show
0: them they are yeah no kidding
1: yeah yeah seems And seems to I don't, be no rhyme or reason with
0: that so um, these are direct as so well
1: like, yeah yeah all of them are direct painting and um hmm. yes and uh nothing the i my palette is pretty much the same actually i have uh reduced my palette is more limited uh but i added a few colors like tallow green and uh, of course like the ultramarine blue and and um but uh except for the blues like i the 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 flesh are is very you know um limited palette um english red yellow ochre lead white and and, uh, and black. Or, really? So it's you almost know, like a Zorn or, palette.
0: Or, 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 or,
1: yeah. <clears throat> so, like, uh, the technique uh, is uh, is pretty much that one. The only thing that I have changed is that uh, um, the I in the past, uh, the light and the shadows in the academy used to be much more contrasty. Uh, instead, I try to to have uh, you know to kind of key up all the the levels of of the of the values, and so to have like the light that is almost pure white, uh, or just white with a point of yellow, or so mm-hmm. like is this? I, I will try to kind of I, I try to give a lot of impasto on the light parts, and to and to have it uh, brighter, yeah, uh, in a way, yeah. Yeah, and, and the technique is, is this one. I mean, the, this one is just like a, a couple ha- hugging and uh, and uh, I just flopped the painting.
0: Oh, seriously? So they were standing and then you flipped it to the side and yeah. you changed their feet? Yeah. No kidding. That's awesome. I love the hair.
1: It's, <laughs> it's I, a little
0: bit. It's just, it's so... A little bit yeah, it's so cool. It's like it's like uh, almost like a symbol of hair. It's got this really cool contemporary quality to it. I really like that. Another question I have is, do you find that since you're kind of starting in the dark, more or less, you're starting with an image that you don't even necessarily know what it means every time. And then that image even changes to some degree as as the painting evolves. Do you find that when the painting is done, that you have to analyze what in the heck it is that you were thinking? Like that you're like, oh, wait, what? What? Why did I come up with this and what does it mean about my psyche? Are you ever in that zone?
1: Oh, totally. Every time.
0: Really? I, I, yeah. I, I thought you must be, because that just feels that way to me. Like I would step back and go, OK, what is going on in my life that made me paint this? <laughs> 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 exactly that's great that's got to be really therapeutic to paint like that <laughs> and a lot of fun yeah
1: well but at the end it, it, you know painting it is everything is uh personal so like yeah. whatever i decide to do or whatever i paint it has a uh, like that meaning but uh it, it's it's fun because like i know it sounds a little stupid that i don't have at the beginning ideas i just have images i just have images in my head and and if i trust them far enough then they will show up their meaning it's like the dreams maybe when you make a dream so you you don't uh when you when you when you dream it you don't know what it means but then if you think carefully enough and if you think about like what kind of Moments you pass through in your life, your indecision, your insecurity, or or the things that scares you, then maybe you realize that you know maybe that side of you scares you, and or you are scared of making a specific decision, or you way too attach to the history or the the culture, and and so you make your own uh, analysis of. Of what you have done. Of course, your analysis will be probably different from other people with different backgrounds.
0: Yeah. Man, I'm just mesmerized by your paintings. And I actually had a question for you, but as I'm panning through your paintings, I totally lost it. And just in just appreciating your paint quality, it's just really beautiful. I'm a well, all painters are paint quality nerds. We're so. I don't know why we're so obsessed with the way the paint looks. At least I am. And yeah. I, I and I shouldn't say all painters. Yeah. I guess photo realists don't care too much about it generally, but but your paint quality is just gorgeous.
1: But you haven't seen you haven't seen my paintings from life.
0: Yeah, but I can Because tell. I'm... you think they're terrible from no. life or something?
1: <laughs> you know, like I I'm not like I really I really love who has that, you know, perfect technique, but my technique is definitely not perfect. If you see a painting from, from life, it looks better than the picture, but at the end, if you look at it close enough, you realize, ah, okay, here she approached in this way, here she approached it in a completely different way, Here. Every time. Uh,
0: See, that's funny you should say that because I'm the same I have the same criticism about my paintings, but then I'll see an artist, another artist, paint in that way where it's where they're kind of all over the board and they solve problems in a seemingly sporadic way. And when I see another artist doing it, I find it interesting because it's it it brings out the humanity in the product. Especially in this AI. Oh, I have a lot of
1: humanity. Yeah. I have a lot of humanity.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I find it really endearing, but I feel like as the artist, you're always... Well, maybe I shouldn't say you. I'm speaking for myself. I'm always trying to shed the humanity and be something better than human. Like just do everything perfectly. And yet I appreciate the imperfections in other people's work. I don't even know if you call it imperfections, the chaos in the work, the, the differences in approach and stuff. I find that interesting. So, but, and I will say that not everyone's paintings do look better in life. You know, there have been times where I've seen stuff on Instagram and then I see it in a gallery and I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks better on Instagram. So I'm glad yeah. you can say that about your work, that it looks better from life. That's great
1: no because because i I heard it from people like uh, people look at my paintings from life and they say oh wow it looks much better than than uh, from the photo i'm like oh okay good
0: (laughs) yeah that is a good thing yeah that's a good thing it is well so for those who are not watching the podcast you're missing out because i've been scrolling through her work as we've been talking we haven't talked about every painting obviously but i'm giving you guys a taste of what she does and it's absolutely exquisite beautiful beautiful work so okay so my last question for you is one that i ask everyone and that is what advice would you give an aspiring artist who wants to become a painter
1: ah uh then the only thing that you have to follow is just what uh you feel is honest don't try to to not listen too much uh the surrounding or what people is is think or you think a successful art is supposed to look like you should just like follow your yourself because you might be wrong for a long time, but then at one point you will be right, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, just insist and uh, be determined in what you, what you are. And, and especially try in this process of becoming uh, an artist, just try to get yourself, to, just to try to get to know yourself. deep as deep as you can because at the end there is nothing more original than your your origin (laughs) yourself that's (laughs) a great
0: quote (laughs) nothing more original than your origin i love it that is excellent you know and i couldn't agree with you more on that when i first started painting i wanted to paint portraits of total strangers and that's it and i wanted to sell it and everyone told me it couldn't be done and not only that but they were life-size and everyone told me it couldn't be done but it's what i wanted to do is what i was interested in and it and it was very very successful it made my career those paintings and um and i remember hearing a quote from chuck close are you familiar with his work chuck close he's uh he's he's a contemporary artist that um, I don't know if he's passed yet, but he was huge in the late um, 20th century. And uh, he even painted President Clinton. He was the one who did like the polka dots and bullseyes. And he would kind of uh, optically mix with dots of color. But he also was a photorealist. Anyway, hugely famous in his time and today. And he, I heard him say once that if he had been born at a different time, no one would have ever noticed him. And so, and I'm paraphrasing, but so there was. There's no point in trying to be something you're not because you can't possibly predict what people want anyway. So you might as well just do what feels right.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. So that's great advice. Thank you so much, Daniela, for being on the podcast. It has been a huge honor and worth the wait to to, oh, get, to, you, you. to get to know you. Get to know you better.
1: So much.
0: That's my pleasure. Thank.
1: You. It's been it's been fantastic, and also been, uh, you know, looking your work because I know also Stephen Assel and and uh, I see like uh, that you've been uh, working also with him, right?
0: I I took a workshop from him, but I'm definitely influenced by his work. I think he's one of the greatest painters alive today.
1: And uh, but uh, I I think I you know I love like these these colors all these mixtures of colors and so i i, I just uh, enjoyed so much to get to know you because i didn't know you uh, like before but i could be, really thank you for everything and thank you for uh, for this uh, this podcast
0: thank you thanks for tuning in to the undraped artist podcast if you enjoyed it subscribe And if you could, leave a comment or review. That really helps the channel. Please share the show with your friends. And if you're feeling generous, consider a monthly donation at theundrapedartist.com. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next week.